This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're highlighting what the state government is doing and could be doing to support transgender New Yorkers. And for that conversation, we're joined once again by Elisa Crespo, Executive Director of the New Pride Agenda, which works to advance the economic, health, racial, and gender identity justice needs of marginalized LGBTQIA individuals in New York. Welcome back to the show, Elisa. Thanks so much for having me, David. So in early November, Governor Hochul announced that there were going to be new funding opportunities available through the state's Transgender and Non-Binary Wellness and Equity Fund. So for starters, can you remind listeners about the intent of this fund, which was, I think, initially seeded with about $2 million of state funding? Yeah, the intent of the fund was to make sure that we were not forgetting about trans-led and trans-focused nonprofits across the state of New York, and that we were being intentional about ensuring that there's state funding dedicated to the work that they do. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what the fund is really about, is about um, addressing the inequity that exists for a long time as it relates to funding that goes to trans-led nonprofits. Well, can you expand on the gap in services that these nonprofits are filling with this state funding? A report came out in 2018 by funders for LGBTQ issues. And in that report, it was found that for every $100 going towards LGBTQ nonprofits, that only four cents was going to trans-led organizations. And so that was part of what we wanted to address by creating the Lorena Borjas Trans Wellness and Equity Fund. And since we uh, embarked on that journey, it started initially with legislative initiative funding, um, but now it has expanded into both legislative initiative funding from the legislature and of course with support from the governor it has now been expanded into two state agencies, um, the Office of Mental Health and the Department of Health. And they have both just recently, um, within the last few days, released RFPs. And so organizations in New York who meet the criteria are now able to compete and apply for those funds. And the funding that's specifically in the Office of Mental Health is geared towards programs that are uh, helping young trans people, 24 and younger, who may be dealing with suicide ideation. And the um, RFP that the Department of Health has released is a lot more broad and can be used for all kinds of direct services. Well, yeah, expanding on what you referenced there, this investment in suicide prevention programming that targets transgender and non-binary youth, how important is this type of outreach? I mean, how at risk are these young people? Well, sadly, transgender people have always had uh, disproportionately high rates of suicide ideation. And I think that has only become more exacerbated because of the over-politicization of trans people in the press and the media um, that we've seen uh, literally in the last couple of years, um, young people, young trans people, gender non-conforming non-binary people are listening and are reading what's coming out online and what's on being reported on, on the television. Um, and there have been reports that this has uh, resulted in 
uh, the mental health deterioration of young trans people. And so um, suicide ideation is a, is a very big concern, but mental health overall is a very, very big concern um, for our community. If I remember correctly, the initial push for funding for the state's transgender and non-binary wellness and equity fund was to get $15 million in it. And so far, we've seen Governor Hochul commit to about 20% of that with $3 million. Is there going to be an effort in 2024 to realize that full investment? Well, the governor has committed to funding this fund for a five-year increment. So uh, the way in which the RFP works, specifically through the Department of Health, is that they're committing to put at least $2 million for a five-year period. And in total, in one year, it's now $4 million if you combine it all. Um, we are always going to uh, be committed to our original number. But yeah, I, we still fundamentally believe that $15 million is just a drop in the bucket as it relates to our state's budget. But it has grown, and I think it will continue to grow, and we certainly will continue to advocate for it to be expanded. Um, part of our vision is for this fund to be included in other state agencies, such as Homes and Community Renewal, to address uh, the housing insecurity issue that trans people face in New York as well as in the Department of Labor to address the high rates of unemployment. In November, the state also announced they were distributing a quote-unquote email pronoun guide for state offices. And this comes in the wake of the state earlier this year updating its model harassment training to reflect uh, protections for gender identity, gender expression, sexual identity. Do you think of these actions as substantive or do you feel like they're more symbolic initiatives by the state or some form of both? I think it's some form of both. I do think it's important for us to live our values as New Yorkers, as a place where LGBTQ people from around the world continue to flock and even more so now as we see other conservative strongholds doing things like banning gender affirming care for young trans people. I think all of it matters. And I think that um, ensuring that we are addressing people by their preferred pronouns um, is important. We should believe people when they tell us who they are. And I think, you know, we have things like the Gender Recognition Act and um, their New Yorkers can now have a, a, a gender marker uh, X on their government ID. Um, and that's important. It's important for us as New Yorkers to really not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. So when we spoke last fall, your big priority for the 2023 legislative session was a bill ensuring that transgender youth from around the country could safely and privately access gender affirming care that they wanted in New York. The governor signed that measure into law in June, contingent on some amendments getting made uh, in 2024. Now that this is law, though, what does successful implementation look like to you? For example, should the state be promoting its new status as a safe haven state? I think so. I think um, that, again, it's important for us to live our values as New Yorkers, as, as this being the home of Stonewall, where the modern LGBTQ rights arguably started between here and San Francisco. Um, and so the safe haven bill is 
of course, uh, most importantly, uh, protecting our providers um, who are here in New York who provide gender affirming care for trans people every day. They need to be able to do that work without living in fear of being criminalized um, and especially young people need to be able to receive that care, which is life-saving care without the fear of being separated from their parents because of the political views of a politician. And so I will say though, that there is more work to be done as it relates to the safe haven. We are hearing from other kinds of providers in New York state that aren't necessarily medical providers or primary care physicians. And so for example, we are hearing from uh, mental health providers and um, psychiatrists and those folks. And we wanna make sure that we can bring them into the fold um, and so that they can also feel protected to be able to provide gender affirming care to trans people because it's, it is more than just the actual um, medical care as it relates to like prescribing hormone treatment. Lots of trans people seek therapy uh, and counseling and we want to make sure that all the providers um, are protected. So we do have plans to push a safe haven 2.0, if you will. Yeah. So let's pivot then to 2024. What does your agenda look like for Albany? There are so many things that we are uh, prepared to advocate for in the next session. Um, I will name just a few. Uh, first and foremost at the top of the list for us is the Gender Identity, Respect, Dignity and Safety Act, which is um, tackling the issue of how trans people are treated while they're in custody, while they are um, in our state's prisons and jails. And so we hear of uh, nightmare stories all the time. We work closely with public defenders who are representing trans clients um, who are incarcerated. And we know that the policies, for example, that um, the state Department of Correction Services puts forth are not always followed. Um, many of the folks that work at docs are not always um, familiar with the policies. And so we are working um, with the appropriate agencies um, to, to try and get these policies done outside of legislation, but we do feel that it is important to pass the bill so that there can be a mandate. And so we wanna make sure also that we're um, addressing what is um, very common for trans people who are incarcerated, which was we are placed in protective custody, otherwise known as solitary confinement, because oftentimes corrections officers don't know uh, where to place us or how to um, handle us with care. And it is often disguised as something that is for our own safety. Um, and so we want that this bill would um, limit the amount of time in which we can place trans people in protective custody. Um, and it would address things like training for proper pronouns, making sure trans people can get access to gender affirming care while they are in custody and that the correction officers don't get to decide um, who can get this treatment and, and who can't just based upon their own biases. Anything else that you'll be looking for in 2024 that you want to highlight? Absolutely. We would, we're going to be pushing for inclusive curriculum. We think it is important for young LGBTQ people to learn about historical figures that are contributing to society 
uh, both young LGBTQ students and their straight allies should learn about Bayard Rustin and Harvey Milk and Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Um, these types of things really help young people, especially young LGBTQ people, with their self-esteem and their confidence. And I think um, I had, I only wish that I could have learned in elementary school about who these historical figures are um, and, and how that would have helped me with my self-esteem. And so we know it'll be challenging. Um, curriculum bills are often very challenging because of the nature of how things are done with local school districts, but it is a big priority for us, um, as is the repeal of public health law 2307, which is um, on the books and has been used in the past. And public health law 2307 essentially criminalizes people who um, knowingly have intercourse with other people while they are um, living with a sexually transmitted infection. And so for example, when you think of HIV, um, public health law 2307 was written, I believe way back in, in the seventies or maybe before that, when we didn't have antiviral medication, when U equals U was not a thing, which is undetectable equals untransmittable. So scientifically, um, in terms of medical advancements and HIV no longer being a death sentence, our laws that are on the books need to also be updated and reflect that. And so in addition to that, we are also going to be working on the comprehensive sex education with a large statewide coalition of both LGBTQ organizations and other types of organizations that aren't necessarily LGBTQ organizations. Um, and comprehensive sex that is important because it teaches young people about consent. Um, and I don't know how many of your listeners know, but 50% of new STI cases in New York come from teenagers. And so we're really failing our young people by not educating them about sexuality education. And so those are just a list of four bills that we will be prioritizing next year. Um, but we're actually getting ready to launch our community ballot. The new Pride Agenda is really proud to be the only statewide LGBTQ advocacy organization in New York to have democratized our annual advocacy agenda. And so we'll be calling on community to ask them to vote on what our 2024 agenda should be exactly. And um, we actually launched that tonight. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Elisa Crespo. They're the executive director of the new Pride Agenda. Elisa, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. appreciate you. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.